thanks for joining us at Colts to Consciousness. This storytelling podcast is meant to be for entertainment purposes only and does not substitute for any medical advice. We may discuss triggering topics and we ask that you make your personal mental health a priority. Lastly, the opinions of our guests do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the host. They had an what they called the Indian placement program and they were pulling kids from these reservations and putting them in white families' homes. And there was a prophet who lined up a whole bunch of Native American kids and they were like, oh yeah, see, took pictures and said, they are, they're becoming whiter because they're now Mormon. I kid you not. See my skin? Isn't it pretty and white? Heavenly Father made my skin white. All righteous Lamanites now have a white skin. Isn't it wonderful? Just when you thought you've seen everything, it's like that is the cartoons that were showed to people just a few years older than me. Hey, my name is Shalise Ansola, and this is Cults to Consciousness, where we discuss leaving high demand religions or organizations and finding healing and independence through awareness and true individual sovereignty. If you're listening only, you're definitely going to want to see our faces and the screen on this one. We're going to put a whole bunch of cringy Mormon assets up on the screen. So today's episode is going to be a little bit different than normal. Usually we focus on telling people's stories. Today is going to be like a dark comedy because for our one year anniversary, I decided to bring back my very first guest, the first ever C2C guest, Kara Burrell Nuance Ho. Welcome, girl. Hey, girl. Nice to see you. <laughs> it's so good me. to see you. Of course. So if you guys don't know, you should. Kara has her own YouTube channel, Nuance Ho, where she does these hilarious comedy sketches about Mormonism and you just have to be privy to it. So if you aren't subscribed, go subscribe now and then come back to the video. Right on. So today we're going to be diving into a lot of cringy things that early prophets or current prophets, which are the leaders of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. You know them as Mormon. They don't like to be called Mormon anymore. We can get into that later. But we are going to be talking about the problematic things they are saying and even some of the propaganda videos that they are showing people that just layers and layers and layers on the guilt and the shame and just makes you feel like a shell of a person. Perfectly said. Okay, so the first one that we're going to watch is President Hinckley. So this is one, Kara, that you pulled. Yeah, in the 90s, uh, President Hinckley was the main prophet of the church. So people around my age, like the millennials, grew up with President Hinckley being their main prophet, the one that they look to as the mouth- mouthpiece of God. And uh, prophets and, and church leaders don't go on news segments quite much as much as they used to because there are a lot of direct questions asked um, about church history. And so this is, I think, Mike Wallace from 60 Minutes. It's a famous clip of him interviewing President Hinckley. And there is this culty aspect when you agree, Shalise, where there's this, what you give to the outsiders versus what the internal dialogue is between members. Um, And so this is a really famous 60 Minutes segment um, where the prophet of the church is being asked directly like, well, you speak to God. Like, what what is the deal with all of this this racist doctrine that uh, black people were not allowed into your temples until 1978? What up with that? And this is what God's mouthpiece has to say. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sounds good. Sounds great. Sounds. I, I'm excited. Church policy had it that blacks uh, had the mark of Cain. Brigham Young said. K 
Cain slew his brother, and the Lord put a mark upon him, which is the flat nose and black skin. It's behind us. Look. That's behind us. Don't worry Very about direct. those little flicks of history. The facts are we don't study, we don't go back and search what has been said on the subject. While it is true that the church did not ordain black people to the priesthood for a season, that is the past. Leave the past in the past. You see, I wish more people had this mindset. See, I cheated on my wife years ago, but yet she still keeps bringing it up. But it was in the past. You don't need to worry about these things anymore. But for whatever All right, reason, you can pause it there. Yeah, BJ the Lamanite puts together a lot of these. And overall, when you give a proposition as a church, like you will hear missionaries come to your door and give you a pamphlet that says, there's prophets who walk the earth today, just like Abraham and Moses. And we have a current mouthpiece of God here to give us direction today. But when there's something as serious as why people have different colored skin, it's not like the natural explanation. It's the one where, oh, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, which is also conveniently in uh, Jackson County, Missouri. Fun fact about Mormonism. <laughs> that's, where, <laughs> right. that's where Adam built his altar. That's where Cain slew his brother Abel. Missouri, center of the United States. Um, and the story in Mormonism is that that's the mark that Cain was given was this flat nose, this dark skin. And no matter how many church leaders want to say like, oh, that's behind us or whatever. Um, it's a very convenient thing for them to want to put in the past. Um, but it wasn't convenient for the people with darker skin who were uh, in the church and subjugated and uh, not allowed to enter the temples, not been given the full rights and privileges of the priesthood to give blessings. If you were a black member of the church, you had so many rights restricted from you. So it's really convenient for the church to to say that it's in the past, not convenient for the people who have to live it, and so on and so forth. Yes. It's always the way that I think cults kind of want to operate with a public persona versus like the actual lived experiences. Yeah. I think it's very interesting the way that it's so amazing that you have a mouthpiece for God, yet they continue to make mistakes of their time. <laughs> so really, you're not learning anything new that everyone else around you doesn't already know. No, in fact, they're behind the times. So you can't even claim, oh, our prophet knew ahead of time that this pandemic was going to happen because he literally came out and was like, I had no idea that this was going to happen. And everyone's like, but I thought you were supposed to know things. And so they are always behind the times when it comes to social structures and what's okay. And society is moving on from things and they are just stuck in the past. And so now, like you were saying, they're just using this as a cop out, like, don't look back there. We're looking ahead because they're embarrassed about their actions in the past. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, to be a member of the church these days, it's either you just ignore that that's what the doctrine was. It wasn't just like philosophies of men. It wasn't just policies that uh, these were actual doctrines taught by the restorer of the church, all of the other leaders of the church up until it was social pressure in 1978 after the civil rights movement. Uh, I'm always big into talking about dogma and how you reform systems. I'm not just here to like make fun of Mormons because they're silly. I'm like, no, the more that we talk about these things, the more that people actually within the church realize that these things can and will change with enough pressure from the outside in and the bottom up. And that's perfectly evident in 
the church having to make a change by 1978 uh, with what they were going to do about their racist yeah. doctrines and stuff. But for people just to say that, oh, that's in the past, you know, um, you put that on uh, 60 Minutes on primetime television, that's going out to you know millions of people. It's on the internet forever. That even the prophet of the Mormon church, he can't even answer for why God wanted it to be instituted that way in the first place. Just people just don't get any answers. They just don't get any answers. Exactly. Oh, I can think I can do my own thing. I could actually, I could probably start my own religion. I think I could start my own 10 commandments. I think I'd be fine without you guys. <laughs> <laughs> and I think there are three distinct forms of racism within the doctrine and correct me if I'm wrong, but you have the curse of Cain being one. And then you have the Nephite Lamanite thing. So they were yeah. cursed, these white people from Israel, according to the Book of Mormon, came down to the Americas. They were all white and then they were cursed with dark skin and those are considered the Native American people. And then you also have the pre-existence, which we've talked about a few times on the podcast, which is basically during this war in heaven in the pre-existence before any of us existed, there were a third of the hosts of heaven that did not choose Satan or... Yeah, they did not choose Satan. They did not choose Jesus. They were fence sitters. And those are the ones who, okay, I guess you'll get a body, but you're going to be African-American or African. And so there's like three distinct places where there is very much racism. Yeah. Uh, If you like, for instance, I hate just jumping right into like, it's a white supremacist religion. Okay. (laughs) But so many religions uh, who are you know, started by white people, for instance, in like this frontier culture, they had to have a reason why they are allowed to use and abuse other people, other genders, other races. It all has to have a, it has to have a righteous philosophy mm-hmm. around it. And Mormonism has plenty of it. They're like, oh, we'll have an excuse for this. We'll have an excuse for that. Um, and so as time goes on and society progresses all the way up until, um, I believe is the mid at least sixties, um, uh, the church was still publishing in Mormon doctrine um, and barely has even taken those things off their shelves. It's kind of harder to find now today, but an excuse for why the doctrines were that way. Well, we have to have an excuse. It's uh, w- there's a war in heaven. That's already part of our doctrine. What can we say about the war in heaven? There's all these spirits, fence sitters. How about there's a whole third group of people, Joseph Smith. He didn't tell us about them. <laughs> that was not on his bucket list, but the, Further light and knowledge, further revelation. It's not about like how to like treat people better. It's actually about where people's skin colors and also um, like different like handicaps. There's another prophet that wrote a book. I bought it from from the church, spent $15 on it. Uh, but he says that people who have actual physical handicaps, those are, those are all in the same. If you came here and your life is difficult in any way, it's not because society needs to change because it's uh like you know we don't have like wheelchair ramps or like or like we need to like treat people mm-hmm. based on like the content of their character not the color of their skin it's not that it's a really fun thing called you don't know it but you sinned before you got here yeah i did a whole episode on that actually with someone who experienced uh disability discrimination within the mormon church so oh, i will link it here guys if you want to check that out Because like literally Jesus said the exact opposite (laughs) when they came to him and they said, like, why is this man blind? And he's like, did did he sin the earth life? Did like, you know, his forefather sin? Um, And Jesus is literally like, brah, relax. Like just sometimes people have difficulties or whatever. Well, the Mormon church has the answer for everything. (laughs) So this is a clip 
And this is something that was going out, I think, in the 80s. This is also something, Kara, that you pulled. And it is a little fun animation about the Lamanites. Oh, pardon me. This is my friend. She is a good Lamanite. Daddy Anton's robbers are being very wicked. But look what Heavenly Father has done. See my skin? Isn't it pretty and white? Heavenly Father made my skin white. All righteous Lamanites now have a white skin. Isn't it wonderful? Oh, my, oh, my looks so oh my pretty. Gosh, I'm going to throw up. I'm going to throw up. Uh, so that was an actual tape from my friend Ray uh, that she put up there. I couldn't find her original video. Uh, but that's something that she grew up with. She, like, found it and went and put it into her uh, projector um, to put it up on TikTok. And it bounced all around the Internet. Because um, just when you thought you've seen everything, it's like that is the cartoons that were showed to people just a few years older than me. So just to give some context to what's going on here, because people are probably like, I'm sorry, what? So we explained that in the Mormon doctrine, the Lamanites are Native American people, and that's why their skin is dark, because they did something bad. I don't remember the whole story, but they did something bad, and God cursed them with dark skin, so they would be undesirable to the white people. I kid you not. So what they did in the 70s or the was it 80s and 90s, maybe even before that, they had an what they called the Indian Placement Program, and they were pulling kids from these reservations and putting them in white families' homes and then saying, oh, look, their skin is turning white and delightsome because that's what it says in the scriptures. They became white and delightsome when they started to uh, accept Jesus or the Mormon Jesus into their life. And there was a prophet who lined up a whole bunch of Native American kids and they were like, oh, yeah, see, took pictures and said they are, they're becoming whiter because their countenance is becoming whiter. Their skin is becoming lighter because they're now Mormon. Yeah. And uh, there is I uh, used to do a little uh, co-hosting over on Mormon Stories mm-hmm. podcast. And when people ask me what my favorite episode of all time is. I say like the most important episode is the Lamanite women's episode where we got three women who were ex-Mormon and they grew up under this type of culture is not even a good word for under this type of uh, horror show um, where they were like rubbing lemon juice on themselves. Because if 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 you're in a, an actual like Native American ward and everyone there is kind of still judging each other's righteousness and you want to... T- the church tells them that there's an outward appearance way to judge someone's righteousness, uh, literally. <laughs> so yeah, they would. Um, one woman was talking about how she would rub lemon juice on their skin to lighten it. This was a really, yeah, a real thing that people experienced and went through. That wow. as taught by not just some wacko in their ward or whatever. This is the prophet of the church, mouthpiece of God, saying, going from Joseph Smith, saying where these people came from, and that being continued all the way till. Um, at least Spencer W. Kimball into um, the 70s and 80s. Mm -hmm. And I also think it's really important to talk about because I didn't even know that this was a thing when I was Mormon. So if someone would have came to me with this information, I 100% would have been like, that's anti-Mormon. It's not true. So I also think it's important for active Mormons to know what's going on in their history and know what's going on a few states over and know what people went through because that's the church that you're supporting now. Even though it was in the past, 
I just find it really hard to believe that a church who is literally led by Jesus Christ himself would do such horrendous things constantly. It's not just, oops, there was this one time that this thing happened, a little bit of racism, but it is constantly making these horrific mistakes and actively harming people. So I just think people should know what's going on in their church. Uh, yeah, you ready for me to rant? Yes. <laughs> Because um, as somebody who is a satirist of the LDS church, uh, I get in trouble a lot for people saying that I'm disrespecting and I am, I'm doing something that's completely blasphemous to their religion. Um, and I always like to remind people that we're talking about, uh, like making fun of like a temple ceremony or something. Uh, whereas they will make fun of would be a, that would be nice if it was just, if Mormons just like made fun of Native Americans for having a darker skin, they go a thousand times worse to something that people have no control over is that they tell them that their skin color can change uh, mm -hmm. and did change because they, a, a group of people who has nothing to do with Joseph Smith's religion that he started, <laughs> that this people that they send against the Mormons, God of Jehovah um, and that's something that, yes, they print that. That's in the Book of Mormon. That's something that I wouldn't have known when I was Mormon, but it's in the Book of Mormon to this day. And they have changed it. If, again, if you want to talk about like uh, over time, uh, having different narratives be told to different people over time, it went from the opening page of the Book of Mormon said that the Native Americans are the primary uh, or that Hebrews, the, the Jews are the primary ancestors of the Native Americans. And now it says that they are among the primary ancestors. Like interesting uh. with how DNA <laughs> changed what God said about that. But it's like, it's, it's in the scriptures. It's distributed in the manuals. And yes, they'll take Native American kids out of their homes and put them with families so that their skin and countenance can lighten. And that is in and of itself, what Mormonism does in so many different respects is desecrating the basic human right and instinct of just a child who just wants to be raised, who just wants to be loved, who just wants to connect with a maker and disconnecting them from that. And yeah. just literally blaspheming their own culture. Yeah. Their own, their own value, their own culture, where they come from, their own, their own separate person. And, uh, just pushing them into submission to tell them that they're broken, tell them, give them a narrative, especially mm -hmm. um, with Native Americans, black people, women, every, every Mormonism has a narrative for why you are broken and why you um, need to uh, submit to the dictates of 80 year old men who take no accountability for when they get it wrong. <laughs> so if we want to talk about what yeah. is sacred in Mormonism, I know that like, I look like somebody who's always like disrespecting it, but I was like, it is Mormonism itself who disrespects our very human beauty and nature and inherent goodness for their own gain, for their own narratives, their own stories. Preach hundred percent with you. There is absolutely no accountability for things that they've done wrong in the past. And I think that's one of my biggest issues is, yes, I understand that people make mistakes and that's something that they love to say is, you know, the prophets are just men and all men make mistakes. I'm like, okay, if you're speaking for God, I don't really agree with that. But sure, let's just say all men make mistakes. Okay, what happens when you make a mistake that's so horrendous? that you need to change the doctrine, which they have done, change scripture so that it doesn't say that anymore, so people just forget it ever happened. They need to apologize for that. 
and come out instead of just like slipping into the shadows and pretending like it was never that way and also gaslighting and saying that's not what we said we never taught that is constantly happening and then it makes people so crazy and all we wanted was an apology of them to say wow that Indian placement program was horrendous and wrong and we know now which they should have already that the way that you are inside will not change the color of your skin no matter how worthy you are and we apologize for doing that none of that none of that ever happened how could it um yeah cuz they uh, when you start off with the the premise that um follow the prophet follow the prophet don't go astray follow the prophet he knows the way primary song that we're singing ever since we're mm-hmm. like literally 2 years old it's not follow the prophet um, and then like, I don't know, use your own discernment too. Cause sometimes they're just speaking as men. There's this famous meme of like in conference where it's like, imagine a big, like sports kind of billboard next to the prophet's face where it's like speaking as a prophet, like, listen. And then another one going speaking as a man, be like, wouldn't that be so nice when you're hearing the information? No, <laughs> it's all taken on that. What they're saying is they are speaking as a mouthpiece of God. And they tell yeah. you that. Um, and then this history goes on. They want to sweep those things under the rug. But Shalise, do you want to know my, I love studying Mormon apologetics. Do you want to know what their new reason is for why they don't need to take accountability and, and do all that? And that they what? can just make these gigantic mistakes um, uh-huh. that affect like the salvation of billions of people who are not white or have other, guess what it is? What? The atonement. The atonement itself Wait. of Jesus Christ dying on the cross. It covers even the prophet's mistakes. No. In, in it. Yeah, I did a I did a logical fallacies video the other day. Uh uh there's this guy who's a seminary teacher, um Stephen something or other. Yeah, he was interviewing a a BYU professor and podcaster and apologist and that was their point. I was like, "Oh, that's so cute. That's like a complete misunderstanding of the atonement and uh was super convenient, but uh and misapplication of it your and uh holds no institution or person accountable whatsoever. It's like the biggest get out of jail free card that you yeah. can preach the atonement while also being you get to you get to be the, the the representative of Jesus Christ of saying what his atonement is. And then you also get to be like, as I tell you what his atonement is, I also get to screw up and do whatever I want to. Pretty fun. That's Pretty fun because I'm the mouthpiece really of what to tell you what to do about it. Isn't that dangerous? I was like, that's it's I literally so titled it like the most dangerous. dangerous Mormon teaching. Like they can get away with anything on that logic. Yeah. And they were so excited. They were like, great, great. Whew, now you don't have to have any more cognitive dissonance anymore. <laughs> Yeah, that's not okay because you're going to have people murdering people and you do. This is happening within Mormonism and just say, well, the atonement. No, 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 no. No, it's it's the atonement for for the but not for we kind of thing. It's like the church cannot take accountability because uh, I did church PR, fun fact, when I lived in L.A. And oh. I I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that the church's good name, shiny, happy people, but the church's good name, the way that people think of Mormons and they think of these nice, trustworthy people uh, smiling in their neighborhood, willing to help out the people of Mormonism, just like any, you know, good, good religion or cult or whatever it is. Like there are people who are willing to help out. There are good people who are trying their best. The church uh, wants to siphon that, that love, that positivity, that energy for their PR benefit to take photos, to make yeah. sure that, the church is always presented in the happiest way possible. So uh, the same reason why they have to uh, file so many amicus briefs, siding with some of the worst fun fact 
You want to know what the church cares about. It's what they pay their lawyers to fight in court. And it's siding with uh, other churches who have clergy who are sexually assaulting uh, their clergy members and uh, their, their, their membership. And the church is like, let's, I also, we also want to make sure that we're in that protection bracket. Can you guys get us that protection too? Yeah. So it's all this big uh, way to save the good name of the church, regardless of what the membership, regardless of what the institution itself uh, allows for, as long as it just doesn't bubble up to the surface, it's all still, it's all still good. It's all still true. Um, did you know everyone's really happy and uh, there's, there's don't look behind the curtain whatsoever after that. When you were talking, something clicked in my mind that I always forget to address and I always see it in the comments. When we refer to the Mormon church as the church, number one, it's because that's how we were born and raised and that's just what we were taught. And I think every religion actually does it, or at least a lot of people who I speak to. When I speak to someone doing a Scientology interview, they refer to Scientology as the church. So I get people in the comments saying, that's very presumptuous of you to just call it the church. And I'm just thinking, well, first of all, it's easier than saying the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. <laughs> so, And it's also, like I said, something that just naturally comes out. So we don't personally believe that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is the church, like the only true church. I just want to make that clarification before someone else comments. Okay, so moving on, I see that you have one more video on the Lamanite DNA thing, so I'm going to play that now. The Indian is a Lamanite. There are, there are South American, Central American, Mexican, Polynesian, and other Lamanites. They are not Orientals. They are from the Near East. It is not impossible that there could have seeped across the Bering Strait. A little oriental blood as claimed by some people. But basically, these Lamanites, including the Indians, are the descendants of Lehi who left Jerusalem 600 years BC. Okay, so that is the prophet Spencer W. Campbell, who uh, was the prophet mouthpiece of the Mormon Church until 1985. And mm -hmm. again, uh, propagated some of the worst, most racist beliefs. Uh, again, he was in charge of like the Indian placement program and stuff. Here's a quote by Spencer W. Kimball. Speaking of the Indian placement program, he says, the little member girl, 16, sitting between the dark father and mother, and it was evident she was several shades lighter than her parents. These young members of the church are changing to whiteness and delightsomeness. This was a direct quote from Spencer W. Kimball, General Conference, October 1960, just to prove what we were talking about. Um, so Rod Meldrum, I have a very famous Mormon Stories interview. Yes, where he is. He's not just like a church apologist or anything. He believes in this thing called the Heartland model, that even the church, the church's own apologetics departments don't want anything to do with this guy you're about to see. Rod Meldrum. Even they don't invite him to his conferences because he truly does believe uh, Joseph Smith at his word that if this America's is where these Book of Mormon peoples played out, this is where their civilization was, this is where their wars were fought, that must mean that's where it really is. And so they will do anything they can to ignore the DNA of the Native Americans here with us today and try to make it look like they absolutely came on a ship from Jerusalem in 600 BC 
scattered across and everyone that you see they're from that family. <laughs> they're, yes. That's the story of the Book of Mormon. They're this Jewish family. So they will do anything they can to really, truly, uh, yeah, I call Make it shoehorning work. in all this like Hebrewisms, everything that like proves that the Book of Mormon is ancient and authentic and really from like this Hebrew origin. So Rod is a big proponent of that. He's like the leader in the Mormon church of that. Okay. Enter Rod. And we're good friends. He just probably wants me dead. <laughs> oh, no. When DNA sequencing became uh, possible, as they started to sequence DNA from Native American populations through North, Central, and South America, all of those markers could be found in, in Asian populations, which basically links all Native American peoples here in North America to Asia. But Lehi and his family, were they Asian? No, they weren't. They were Hebrews. They came down to the lineage of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They're not Asians. And, of course, that doesn't bode well for the Book of Mormon. <laughs> so that was a fucking lie. <laughs> I don't know where the rest of the clip goes, but I'm saying that is their entire, the Firm Foundation. They have conferences. My parents bought all their books. I've read all of their books. Um, they're fascinating. They're like the most right-wing, most patriotic, most traditionalist version of a Mormon that you can get. Uh, while still staying in the mainstream, attending your everyday sacrament meetings, but believing things even farther and more conspiratorial that the mainstream church doesn't actually accept, which I think is hilarious because you have these these differing branches. I could talk about this all day. I've made videos about this, but it's my obsession that the Mormon church, you have to kind of stay. If you want to be a good standing member, you still have to stay and uh, sustain the leadership to a certain point, unless you're just going to have your own entire breakaway. But there's two big factions right. within the Mormon church. And it's hilarious that the one that's the most kooky crazy, who doesn't believe in evolution, uh, who really just takes Joseph Smith and the restoration at what he said it was. None of the prophets believed in evolution. They just take the prophets at their word, but they are the ones that are the most ostracized from the church. Uh, but yeah, the DNA, he's like, oh, well, that's a problem. Well, me and my non-scientific background, me, Rod Meldrum, being a mink farmer, I am the one to solve this problem. So Rod makes a living solving that problem for Mormons. Yeah. Wow. That I just have to say that interview with him and John on Mormon Stories, I was just, I don't think my jaw ever was shut. I think it was like a gape the entire, what was it, like three plus hour interview, just bug eyed. Is this guy really saying these things? Did that just come out of his mouth? I just, it's a lot. <laughs> May, I'll just share one example with your audience. Again, I've okay. made entire YouTube reactions after I left Mormon Stories. That was my last interview ever. I had an overdose with him being interviewed there. It wasn't a problem with that. Just me and John weren't getting along and I felt like leaving for other reasons. But anyway, the Rod Meldrum interview was my last one <laughs> because it was so obnoxious. And one of the things that he said was that uh, people who are gay they are gay and they turn away from God. People who are pedophiles do that and diddle children because they are also turning away from God. People who engage in bestiality also turn away from God. So why would I accept gay people? Because they're just turning away from God, just like all of those other things in that category that I just named. And basically, if you turn away from God, you're the exact same as pedophiles and people who diddle goats. So that was his big, that was his big, like, truth bomb. Kara and John can't handle this. But yeah, like, uh, that was the moment where I was like, really, really? And I like leaned in. And I was like, really? 
Oh, wasn't this live? Weren't there people chatting like in the chat saying that was highly offensive? And John was like, by the way, these people think this is highly offensive. And he just didn't process. Truth bombs. The people it's it's um they're they're more fundamentalist Shalise than you could even honestly imagine. It's my it's my absolute obsession. Not that you couldn't imagine it, but within Mormonism, you would be surprised by how um how much they live by the truest uh fundamentalist take of the scriptures. Mm. Um and so they truly do believe that people like me, it's in their book, people like me and John DeLynn and you, um uh, that when we joined the church, Joseph Smith said that when you joined the church, you had two fronts before you. You could choose God or you could choose Satan. And if you chose God and you joined the Mormon church, then you are no longer on neutral ground and you promise to serve the Lord. And if you ever turned away from that, it would be by the enticings of the evil one, by Satan. And then he can never loosen his grip from you. So anything that anyone does after they leave the church, you are doing so by the enticings of Satan. There's no like, Mm -hmm. I just don't feel, I'm not jiving with this church. I just feel like wearing tank tops and kissing girls. Nope, you are doing so. Literally, Satan's whispering in your ear and forcing you to do those things. So it's this, it's a very black and white thinking in the the nicest term to put it, uh, that everybody, uh, just like, just like us, we are we are uh, agents for Satan, true agents for Satan. Wow. You know what? This is probably the perfect time, the C2C exclusive about the priesthood blessing that was given to, was it Brad or Rod? Exclusive. Yes. C2C exclusive. Do I need to set this up anymore? Yeah, go ahead. Again, I'm, I'm close friends with John DeLynn and Shalise has done a bunch of collabs with John and I used to work for Mormon Stories and we had this whole Rod Meldrum thing. And I don't know why. It's just like close to my heart because my parents love everything that Rod Meldrum and his foundation, it's called the Firm Foundation, everything that they do. My parents go to all their conference. They go twice a year. They read all their books. They try to give me their books. And it's just such an interesting extra layer of extra fundamentalism within Mormonism. And it's close to me because it's what my parents believe. It's it's the type of Mormonism that my parents are plugged into. So this is a clip that I pulled from their website. I had to go behind a paywall just to get this. And Rod was at a conference three weeks after he did his uh, Mormon Stories interview uh, with me and John. So this is like March 2022. And he shows a bunch of clips to all of the people who pay to see his conference. And I watch it and I'm like, yeah, good job showing all the people how Carabrell owned you, but never mind. <laughs> he's like, he's, he's totally showing the did. opposite, you know? Um, and so this, this one made me drop, drop my jaw when he's talking about how a lot of people said, don't go on Mormon stories. That's just an anti-Mormon podcast. You'll, you'll gain nothing. But he's like, I want to represent the truth. I want to show people that there is a way to make sense of this Heartland model of the the Lamanites and Nephites really did live. Their civilizations really were in America and there's evidence for it. And so he, he was excited to be able to bring at least one person, one lost sheep. He calls it one uh, starfish back on the Mormon stories podcast, but he needed a special blessing in the Mormon church. You know, you can get priesthood blessings. So he asked a friend of his to give him a priesthood blessing before he went on the podcast with me and John Dillon. And this is what Rod Meldrum said. And I have to just say, you freaking killed it. I was like cheering for your responses. They were so good. And I'm just so proud of you. Ah, thanks. <laughs> I have, um, if anyone wants to watch, not have to watch the Mormon Stories episode, I have one on my YouTube channel. Um, it's a picture of me going like this. 
<laughs> yeah. That's the thumbnail. Cause I just, I had to like just bite my hand for most of the time. Yeah. So it I was, was just a like, lot. shut up, Kara. Shut up, Kara. John did amazing though. John watching it back. John I did thought well I did too. I did. I thought I did okay. But John was amazing. Um, but me and John, we, the tension was so hot. I think both of you together were great. Yeah, we had different. He was more like an interrogator who had like a plan. And I was just like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Can I swear on this but, podcast? Great. Yeah. And I think it was a good balance, though, because John was very good to his credit of bringing things around and being like, OK, Kara, I think we should. And I know John or I know Rod probably feels this way. Like, Rod, how do you feel about that? I mean, he is a professional, right? With his psychology yeah, he background. Was very professional. So he knew how to kind of guide the conversation. But I just loved the way you were spit firing back. Like, well, what about this? If you think that, well, then what about this? And it was just so valid. Anyway, OK, I'm starting this at 215. Yep. Okay, here we go. I asked for and received a, a very special blessing some from a couple of really good friends of mine. Um, the individual giving the blessing uh, told me that uh, that some years before, about uh, I can't, he didn't say how many years, but some years prior to that, he had two of his own children leave the church, turn their back on everything they had done to raise their kids that way. And he says, Rod, before you ask me, is I have been praying for years that, that God would take John DeLynn. Says, but now I want to pray that God will bless him to have a change of heart. And the only reason why I really felt like I should go ahead and do this is because I had this weird impression. I don't know if this is going to happen or who knows what's going to happen. But uh, in the scriptures, we have examples of men like Saul who persecuted the saints. And he went through an experience that changed his life. And he used the rest of his life devoted to building up the church. I think of uh, Alma the Younger. And, uh, and the experiences that he and the sons of Mosiah had and how he changed from persecuting the saints to, uh, to a life that turned into uh, one of the great missionaries of all time. Brothers and sisters, if John DeLynn were to actually have such an experience and turn his heart back to God, just think of the amazing things he could do and the reparations he could make for all the faith that he's destroyed over the course of time. Crazy, so right? Brothers and sisters, our Lord has told us that we should pray for those who persecute us and despitefully use us. So I'd ask for you to pray for John DeLynn. We're going to have another one, hopefully pretty soon, and, uh, and, that, that, and that this will be where we actually get into the science. I don't know if his two scientific friends are going to be willing to jump in there and actually go head to head. I hope that they decide to, not because we want to bury them or anything like that, but because there's a lot of people who have questions about the gospel who are watching these particular podcasts, and we might be able to just help a few of them to actually come back and be with us as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in good standing. Your thoughts? Okay. Oh, the first thing that really just hit me in the freaking gut and in the heart was the fact that this man said, he was praying that John Dolan would die. I, that like, it makes me want to cry. 
John is such a wonderful, kind human being. And might I add, they kicked him out of the church. Like he didn't want to leave. And all he was doing was standing up for oppressed groups of people and was trying to help them. And then they kicked him out of the church. And now all he's doing is letting people tell their stories and just, oh my gosh, I cannot imagine how John must feel hearing something like that. Yeah. Um, when I saw that, cause I, I, if you type in on their website, if you type in John Dillon, there's actually like quite a bit of times his name comes up. And I honestly didn't even want to tell him that that clip even existed, but I was like, Hey, would you want to be privy to some information? Cause like he being the number one taker down of Mormon church's truth claims, you yeah. know, um, having a podcast like Mormon stories that's run for 16 years. Like he is the guy that people that they think that he's going after the truth. They think people like you and I are going after the most sacred truth that we're the ones confusing people. So of course there's going to be insane cult members who are going to target his home, target his family, people's businesses. Just John lives in that constant uh, paranoid space at all times that somebody is going to try to, you know, do something mm -hmm. uh, to harm him. So it's just mentally uh, being in this ex Mormon space is it's it's honestly mentally taxing and people do not understand it. Right. They do not walk in John Dillon's shoes, especially. It's also just so patronizing. Like, oh, we'll pray for him. Guys, he doesn't want to be a part of the church. He doesn't want to come back. Just respect his wishes. You clearly don't want well for him. So let him go to outer darkness if that's what you think is going to happen. Let him live his own life. Like, he doesn't want your prayers. Okay, I'm speaking for John. I don't want your prayers, right? <laughs> if someone said something about me to that capacity, that's how I would feel. Like, well, big F you. Like, pray for someone else because that is so condescending and rude, the way that they're approaching it of like, oh, poor thing. I just can't. I'm cl I clearly have a strong opinion about this. Yeah, and it's that old adage from uh, J. Reuben Clark, who was um – leader in the Mormon church. And it's at the very top of the CES letter when people are like, I want to hear what are the main points of why the church isn't true. Yeah. They go to the CES letter. And the top <laughs> quote is J. Reuben Clark that says, if we have the truth, it cannot be harmed by investigation. If we have not the truth, it ought to be harmed. And so when you go into like that very fundy mindset of like, okay, but somebody's saying something that's harming the testimonies of our church, they don't go by what like an Occam's razor would say they don't go by any kind of critical thinking of like, well, maybe it's just not true. Maybe it does need to be thrown out. Mm -hmm. They go back to their scriptures. That's like what a fundamentalist does is that when culture, when anything is moving this way, they go back to their text. They go back to the most traditional interpretation of whatever. And you hear what his example was. It's like, well, there's this example of Saul that actually turned back to, to God. And we know that that's how God works, mm -hmm. that sometimes people preach against him and then God will do something and make it so that he comes back again and has some horrible atrocity in his life. So you're wishing some type of horrible atrocity on ex-Mormon podcasters uh, so that people's testimonies are not shaken anymore. Um, if the things that John says on Mormon stories and the things that guests have to say with their actual lived experiences in Mormonism shakes your faith, then maybe you should have more investigation in how truth how true that faith even is to begin with, but no.
Exactly. It's just, it's just take the guy out. Just take the guy out. And again, relying on scriptures of Korahor and uh, in their book, that's another one of my favorite things is I'm basically Korahor. You're Korahor, we're all Korahor. In the Book of Mormon, Korahor is the Antichrist mm-hmm. um, and he gets killed. And so uh, anyone who... Mormons, scriptures, people, people of all types of religious, religious backgrounds, obviously, um, anything that they don't like, they're like, oh, there's actually quite the scriptural tale of what will happen to you. You're just gonna have to wait to the next life. And uh, God will sort all of this out. And I wish you nothing but ill will until then. It's my YouTube comment section. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's a lot. And it's also just really frustrating <laughs> that they don't see it. That they don't see that they're wishing death on somebody, yet somehow claiming that they're the Christ-like one, not us. It's just really ironic. And I wish that someone could hold up a mirror. And I that's kind of what we're trying to do, right? Hold up a mirror to their face and be like, do you see it? Yeah. Do you, do you see it? <laughs> Ugh. Yeah. Christ brought a sword, though. So it's like, it's pretty much you can find whatever you want to justify whatever your already preconceived ideals are for the cult mentality you were raised in and enjoy and are trained to uh, propagate. So you'll find whatever type of Jesus who wants to murder John DeLynn. You'll find that Jesus if you search hard enough in the scriptures. It's actually called the Old Testament. So, <laughs> Right. You. Yes, exactly. Um, just to button up with some other kooky beliefs from the early days, I just pulled some of these quotes. Most of them are from Mistin. Missed in Sunday School, which great Instagram account, by the way, if you guys want to follow. This one, I believe it's from Joseph Smith, Journal of O.B. Huntington. It has Joseph Smith's picture at the top. Inhabitants of the moon are more of a uniform size than the inhabitants of the earth. Being about six feet in height, they dress very much like the Quaker style and are quite general in style. Or the one fashion of dress. They live to be very old, coming generally near a thousand years. This is the this is the description of them as given by Joseph the seer, as he could, quote, see whatever he asked the father in the name of Jesus to see. So I just love this one because most people haven't heard it. I hadn't heard it till I saw it here. And I was like, wait, what? Joseph not only translated this ancient book that he found under a rock because an angel told him to go get it. But now he's talking about what's on the moon? Like, this is stuff that everyone should know, right? If he's the true prophet of God, we should be looking with telescopes to see those Quakers that live for a thousand years up there on the moon. Yeah. Uh, Again, super high important things uh, about the nature of man, why we're here, where we're going. I want to know more about those moon people. Do they have their own heaven? Do they have their own exaltation? Right. Are they also descendants of Adam and Eve? How did they get there? Did they have their own Garden of Eden? Is it in, is it like, is there a Quaker? Oh, a Quaker. Yeah, that's funny. A crater and a Quaker. Those are confusing <laughs> words. Is there a Quaker and a crater right now <laughs> who they have their own version of Jackson County, Missouri, where it's like the other, like, kind of like, you know, butt crack of the country uh-huh. that's like the moon. And like when the moon people find out that, that's where their civilization started. They're like, okay, <laughs> all right. Fan themselves with a Quaker hat. Yeah. I mean, we got questions. It just it adds to more questions here, Joseph. Just stick to what you know, marrying underage brides. It would be super helpful if there was a current prophet that could help further that discussion. Hmm. <laughs> that, that would be helpful. No, it's in the past, Shalise. It's in the past. <laughs> this is one... 
that made my blood boil and we will talk about why, but it is basically a way to guilt teenagers and you'll see. Almost all athletic contests of which I know, there are lines drawn on the floor or on the field within which every participant must stay in order to compete. Well, the Lord has drawn lines of worthiness for those called to labor with Him in this work. Vanessa. Uh-oh. Cross the threshold. In this battle between good and evil, you cannot play for the adversary whenever temptation comes along and then expect to suit up for the Savior at Temple and Mission computer. time. As if nothing has happened. Notice the dark colors. That, my young friends, you cannot do. God that right there, that's the scene that I have been trying to explain in multiple podcast episodes. That is the little tray, which is a sacrament, which is like communion, and they pass it around every Sunday. And if you take it, it means you are worthy enough to have your sins washed away, which feels very opposite and if you are not worthy enough you do not deserve to have your sins washed away and you cannot take the sacrament so <sighs> oh self-policing the Brethren, guilt got him we speak boldly to you he does not because feel worthy. anything more subtle doesn't seem to work we speak boldly because satan is a real being set on destroying you terrifying absolutely terrifying you're taking a newborn baby you're taking a, a new human life and how do they get love how do they get acceptance from where they came from from a maker or from their own parents and it's supposed to be in the church's idea it's like putting off a natural man and stuff but it's like these are teenagers who literally have like a playground in between their legs and they're told that like just thinking about it anything that they're going to be you know absolutely taken down to hell and that satan is set on destroying them for having natural human urges that mm -hmm. are not demonic, but they're forced to be, to feel like they're demonic, to force to feel like they're broken. And then the church is just like, well, now that you're broken, come to our one-stop shop for saving. We even have a savior. We put a name called savior on it and everything. <laughs> yeah. It's the whole system I don't agree with if you haven't been able to tell by now. And it also gets worse because he's, been doing the self-policing so far, but then enters. And you face his influence at a younger and younger age. John, I'm really the glad Bishop. you took the time to come here today and share with me what you've shared. Now with the Savior's help, we can work through this. Gosh, this is a little can bit Can you triggering. imagine what it would have been like, how you would have felt if you had gone out on your mission not having taken these steps here today. Let's see what would have happened if he went on his mission and didn't tell his bishop that he masturbated. No missionary can be unrepentant of sexual transgression or profane language or pornographic indulgence and then expect to challenge others to repent of those very things. You cannot do that. 
the spirit will not be with you and the words will choke in your throat as you speak them let's just break that down for a second the spirit will not be with you this gift that you are given at baptism when you were eight you were literally given the gift of the holy ghost by someone putting their hands on your head and when you do quote bad things he wafts away and so he's saying that if you were to go on a mission and be unworthy then the spirit won't be with you and it's going to be your fault that people don't listen to your words which you won't even be able to speak because you don't have the spirit yeah that people that you're on a mission to convert people to a church that you believe is the true one path to salvation and you could be sitting there with this guy on the couch and he could have converted like his free will is now uh offset to you as a 18 year old boy because God's entire plan, just keep in, keep in context, it all hinges on making sure that teenagers don't masturbate. <laughs> yes. Thank you for putting that into perspective. That people cannot get converted and know that the church is true because his very like uh, difficult to understand, invisible, somewhat manipulative version of like the spirit, the Holy Ghost that can only like sometimes be accurate and more like it's probably something inside your head. That entire system hinges on teenagers not masturbating and then making mm -hmm. sure that they tell people in a really awkward setting, because if they don't, people won't get converted into that church and be saved. That's a really poor system. I really think that God didn't have a lot of foresight on that. So yeah. sorry, sucks to be sorry. Put that on God. Don't put that on an 18 year old boy. I love missionaries. I always try to make sure people know like these guys are trying their best. They have so, so much psychological programming to put them in this in this place, this foreign country under these pressures. And the last thing they need is just like, also Guilt. I can't. Yeah. At least you know that there's literally mission presidents out there that you cannot be apart from your companion. Well, obviously in mission rules, you cannot be apart from your mission companion ever. Like if you go to the bathroom, the other person has to wait outside, but there are some missions where they didn't want the missionaries to masturbate. And you had to sing hymns while you were in the shower or the bathroom alone, or you had to clap. You had to keep clapping no matter what you were doing. If you were alone, you had to keep clapping so people knew that you weren't, like, doing the other clap sound. Anyway, so, like, that's the type of control these kind of kids are under. No wonder why, like, people go AWOL on their missions all the time. Yeah. Okay, it gets worse. You cannot travel down what Lehi called forbidden paths and expect oh, to guide no. others to the straight and narrow He's confused. one. It can't be done. And it's obviously your fault, Elder. What about his companion? Why doesn't his righteousness come into play? He's more white and delightsome, didn't you notice? This is a life and death <laughs> contest we're in, young man. And so I'm going to get in your face a little, nose to nose, just enough fire to singe your eyebrows a little the way coaches do when the game is close and victory means everything. And with the game on the line, what this coach is telling you is that to play in this match, some of you have to be more morally clean than you now are. So we need young men already on the team to stay on it and stop dribbling out of bounds just when you need to get in the game and play your hearts out. I am asking you young men 
to be active in the church and to be clean. If required, I am asking you to get active and get clean. I ask for a stronger and more devoted voice, a voice not only against evil and him who is the personification of it, but a voice for good, a voice for the gospel, a voice for God. Let's see if it has a different outcome because he didn't masturbate. Brethren of all ages, unbind your tongues and watch your words work wonders in the lives of those who are only kept from the truth because they know not where to find it. With all that there is to do along the path to eternal life, we need a lot more missionaries what? opening they that gate and helping people That's through That's what Mormon baptisms look like, y'all. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Master. Amen. Thoughts and concerns, Kara. Oh, you want to hear me rant? Yes. Okay. So we're talking about a church structure here. Again, if you want to go back to the beginning of this podcast, where these mouthpieces for God are able to do something that I would say is, again, one of the biggest sins, quote unquote, of all time, is taking away a person's inherent goodness that they are born with, with whatever uh, skin color or what, whatever it may be, and putting a label of sin or whatever kind of Mormon uh, uh, worldview onto somebody else. Again, from a top-down structure, the prophets, we get this revelation from God, go ye to the masses and spread that you are all out of line with your maker, and you have to do all of these things to get into... Oh, wait! Uh, also, quick update, except for Black people, you guys are fine now. You guys can come into our church. Actually, that's we were wrong about that one. So let's not talk about the mistakes that we made before. Okay, remember what he just said in that, where it's like, you, how can you go and teach somebody and tell, how can you tell someone that they need to repent of something? As a as a 18-year-old boy, they're going to be teaching people they need to repent of something if you are not clean and worthy of it. When the very structure of the church does things wildly more sinful, more problematic, more demonic to not just, you know, uh, logging onto a website, but to entire systemic influences of how people are treated by their race, orientation, and gender. And you can extrapolate that to other myriad of different things. The church in and of itself has no place to tell you where to get your spirituality from, to tell you where to be right with your maker, to tell you uh, where the path leads uh, to happiness and joy and fulfillment when they themselves do not take that atonement seriously. They themselves do not repent for anything wrong that they have ever done in the 200 years that they have existed. The most you will get out of them is that's in the past or uh, those were theories, uh, things that were prophesied and uh, doctrines. So those are theories. That's the most of an apology that you'll get out of it. But they're expecting the membership to live by a completely different standard uh, than the one that they operate within. Mm -hmm. That's the Mormon church's entire MO. And anyone, especially who could be Mormon, who, uh, you know, they, they're, they're uncomfortable with that and they wish that the church leadership would, would own up to those things more. What I always like to say is it's always a, a matter of time before somebody that you know will be harmed by the Mormon church, whether they're molested within the 
within the church by a bishop, and the church will then side with the abuser. And then you yourself, you're asking, where's the atonement mm-hmm. for my life? Where's the, where's the church? Where's the reparations for my church? While they've expected me to pay tithing, to serve a mission, to do all these things, to live up to uh, needing uh, and being told that the the highest best prize that I could go after is through these mouthpieces of God. When it actually when actually push comes to shove, people will have real life systemic harm from the way that the church policies and doctrines have affected people with no reparations, with no apologies. Yeah. and that is why people are so traumatized and so angry with the church. Yeah, and it's a complete double standard. Absolutely, it's a double standard, and the hardest part is you can't see that when you're in it. Because that you've just been so used to getting beaten down or your friends or family members getting beaten down, beaten into submission. And it's not literal. It's the f- emotion and spiritual abuse, emotional and spiritual abuse that you face with this church that you don't even question it until something so dramatic happens. It shakes you out of that haze and you go, hold on. Yeah. Something doesn't work. Finally, a red flag that you pay attention to because you're just so used to going along with this toxic behavior. You don't even think to question it. That's just how it is. That's how life is. And that's also why it's so painful for people to take in this information that is putting the church in a negative light because it's impossible for them to accept that the church is living a double standard, that the church doesn't atone for its sins. It doesn't say, I'm sorry. It doesn't try and make things right. It just pretends it never happened. While they are putting so much emphasis on you have to go report your sins, every little thing, go tell the bishop. And why can't they have the same transparency and honesty with their members when they mess up? Because they know that if they were to admit their issues, if they were to say, yeah, we messed up and this was bad and we're sorry, people would start questioning the entirety of the religion because they're not supposed to be messing up because they're supposed to be the mouthpiece of God. It's just sinister the way that it all comes together. And it's so easy to see from the outside in, but it is impossible to notice when you're in it. Yeah. And there's that old saying of like, you know, we'll just take it on faith then. We won't have the answers right now. There's always going to be some uh, cliched phrase that you can just plug those cracks with. Like, well, mm-hmm. it's just going to have to take more faith. Oh, well, the people who are okay with the, that double standard, it's just because we're more faithful. Uh, oh, and the system where having the most faith to the orthodoxy is actually rewarded? Well, it's you, wellity, wellity. That makes me uh, the new stake president, you know? Like, it's a system where adhering to orthodoxy and discounting your own internal red flags when things are going off is actually rewarded. So it just gets more and more uh, traditional, more and more fundamentalist. And the good people... I had a great experience in Mormonism overall. I had a great ward, great leaders. Overall, could do without a lot of the teachings and things, but there are good people within the church, and there's so many good people who are leaving the church who they could stay and actually make it better And if, if reform was possible, but with cults that, that run on dogma, that run on a top-down authoritarian system, uh, that change happens so, so slowly that anyone who is actually good and I think like stands up for truth and and honesty and calls out abuse when they see it those people are shoved to the margins and it's like well nice church you got there it's full of a bunch of people who are yes men to pedophiles congratulations have a good time on that ship that is sinking um I really wish that uh at least ex-mormons and our content is at least helping mormonism become a better place to belong to by exposing that 
hello, there's there's this haze over there. It doesn't have to be this way. The church will change with enough speaking people speaking up because there's there's children in this thing. Yeah. Another thing, though, which is interesting, is they reward the people who become more orthodox, more fundamentalist, as you mentioned, but not if you get too fundamentalist. If you start going back and start doing the Rod Meldrum stuff and taking things too seriously with the early prophets, then they kick you out. Then they want to other you. It's like, Mm -hmm. be fundamentalist, but to a point, we're going to tell you where that line is. You won't know it until you cross it. But once you cross it, we'll excommunicate you because we don't want to be associated with you, even though you're following our doctrine better than we are. It's yeah. a really weird place to be. And isn't that funny? Because it's for a, a church that's only been around for 200 years, and it has so much stuff that it's had to disavow <laughs> just in 200 years. <laughs> like, just in 200 years, you can't even you can't even adhere to something that was said in the 80s. If you adhere <laughs> to things that Spencer W. Kimball were saying, and you said that across the pulpit, you'd be taken aside be, to, for, like, preaching, you know, racist false doctrine yes. that was spoken over the pulpit Hate 30 speech. years ago, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What is this video that I have here that says, we are your God now? Is that relevant to what we're just talking about? That's the cult. Yeah, yeah. Um, So I did an entire video on my YouTube channel about this. His name is Kevin S. Hamilton, and he was speaking at BYU, the Mormon University in Provo, Utah, where I am from. It's probably the most culty talk I've seen in many, many years come out of Mormonism. Mostly conservative Mormons life love this kind of stuff, you know, because it's like, yeah, truth bomb, get out of here trying to change the church. And even though every change that has ever existed in the last hundred years that I benefit from came from somebody who was progressive for their time, it stops now. No more progression after this. (laughs) That's my introduction to that clip. Perfect. Brilliant. Here we go. Sounds like an absolute train wreck. My first observation I have heard some that would try to decouple or disconnect Jesus Christ from his church and his apostles by saying things like, I follow Jesus, not the church, or I follow the Savior, not the apostles. Which is valid. To those who say this, I would simply say, it's not possible. You cannot accept Jesus Christ and reject his church or his authorized messengers. You, ca- you cannot come to Christ without coming to his church, and you cannot come to his church without accepting his prophets. I occasionally meet people that feel it is their absolute duty to point out what they see as shortcomings or failings of the Lord's church. They feel that they are loyal to the Savior but opposed to certain teachings of his church. Yeah. President Dallin H. Oaks has addressed this. Some who use personal wisdom, reasoning or wisdom to resist prophetic direction, give themselves a label borrowed from elected bodies, the loyal opposition. However appropriate for a democracy, there is no warrant for this concept in the government of God's kingdom where questions are honored, but opposition is not. As I visit with members across the church, I sometimes hear things like, I don't support the church's policy on, and then you fill in the blank. Uh Or, I don't agree with the way the church does this or that. Could I suggest an alternative approach? Substitute the word Savior or Lord or Jesus Christ in place of the church. As in, I don't support the Savior's policy on you fill in the blank. Or I don't agree with the way Jesus Christ does this or that. 
For me, personally, that seems to put a very different perspective on things. The old... To me, that puts a very different perspective on things. It puts me in the position of unearned authority and leadership, and no way am I going to be giving that up. Perfect. The man at the Mormon church said, and will always say. Wow. It's clips like these that make sense as to why other Christian denominations don't want the Mormons. They're like, we have nothing to do with them. It's these type of things that are just putting their own foot in their mouth with the whole Jesus thing. You can't claim authority over Jesus and what Jesus wants. Yeah, it's a setup. It's a system so set up where um I've done this I have I have videos about this this rant before but basically that Shalice, you and me, hey, we're just two girls who are plopped down into this earthly realm and we're like, what are we doing here? What's all this about? I think that's the natural human longing. And there's just people who are desperate for, you know, community, uh, spiritual guidance, um, you know, existential questions being answered. I think that's just the state of being a human being and has been mm-hmm. since the beginning of our species. And it is religions like Mormonism are that are such a problem to me because they tell you that the only way to know any of those questions that are so inherent and and normal to be asking is to follow them with exactness mm-hmm. that their special authority and their leadership it can be questioned even though it really can't but it is not debatable where everything about everything should always be debatable that the idea that you could actually find what is true based on a Rocky Mountain Bible fan fiction sex cult that they are the sole arbiters of truth from the beginning of time forever for every different person around the globe that following them with exactness will get you those answers that your soul is longing after. Mm-hmm. Are they comedians? No, but it's a funny joke. It's not as funny <laughs> as I wish it was because it's an entire thing I did for 29 years. But yeah. No, I agree with you. And it's interesting that they're taking the doubling down road road instead of the relaxing the rules a little bit because the more they tighten their grip on the members and this exactness that you mentioned the more people are just going to be like ah i can't and they're going to leave and i don't know if that's on purpose separating the wheat from the tares as they say i don't know if they only want the super super loyal do whatever you say even if that's walk off a cliff members to be around i feel like that's not true because they are a corporation and they want to gather as many funds as possible so i i don't really understand what the benefit is for them to just hold on so tight that people are leaving in droves it's obvious people are leaving so quickly and they're waking up to all of the harm. And the more that they double down, the more they're going to lose members. When I listen to Mormon apologetics and they're like counter to all of this, because it seems so clear to people like you and me, it's that idea that like people who don't have religion, who don't have structure, it's just this moral relativism. Everyone is just, just chaos. will fancy free making up their own morality. It's chaos. Yeah, it's just absolute chaos. And like, yeah, are there instances where like my dad was a convert to the church and he was a long haired hippie traveling around with his dog Poquito and his poncho met with the missionaries living out of a van just, you know, was in and out of jail for 
selling marijuana was my dad. Generally, everyone in his life was happy that he joined the church because he got some structure and discipline. Yes. Like, are those 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 times where there are people who, you know, if if a cult didn't offer something of benefit, no one would join it. That old adage. Right. And like, is there reasons why people are seeking after that structure and that exactness? Yes. And then once you go on this train of uh, the, the covenant path, as it's called in Mormonism, it's just one thing leads to the other and leads to the other. It's like, it's not just baptism to get the Holy Ghost. It's also living with exactness to be able to get a temple recommend. If you have a temple recommend, then you know that you're getting into top tier heaven. Oh, wait, to get into top tier heaven, you also have to be in a uh, heterosexual marriage. You need to have, there's just so many boxes to check to feel like you're always worthy. When again, going back to what I said, it's like some people are just, they're, they're after, they're after community. They're after love. They're after acceptance. They're after existential cri- uh, questions being answered. And then, you know, look at my parents. They're both converts. Now they're in their seventies. And, um, I think that they have completely outsourced their brain. Like they, they wouldn't know a critical thought or, or a problem being presented to them about like, Hey, did you notice how the church did this? And that kind of proves that it's really problematic. They would have not, they'd have nothing to do with that because their brain has just been outsourced. All, all those critical thinking pathways are all just dead ends. Um, all they know is how to follow the prophet and find a way to use some type of manipulative tool that the church has told them of just like, Oh, that doesn't make sense. Dead end. Oh, just have faith or up. Oh, that doesn't make sense. Oh, well, we'll find out in the next life. Um, so it's just some people to end this rant. Basically, I just look at my parents. I'm like, they wouldn't even know what to do without the church. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it's like they were looking for questions to be answered. And now all they know is just follow, follow the rules, follow the rules, follow the rules. Um, anything else is too scary. It's too chaotic. Yeah. It's kind of true. Life should, life is kind of scary and chaotic. You're, you got to kind of pick your poison, you know? Yeah. I get sunburns all the time when I don't wear my garments. It's just wild. <laughs> it's crazy times. You know? Yeah, when you have all of the options available to you, I know it can get really hard and you get decision fatigue. Many people yeah. who leave high demand groups get anxiety because there's so many options and they don't know what to pick because someone has always picked their decisions for them, whether they know it or not, whether they realize it's been coerced or manipulated or literally chosen for them. It doesn't matter. It's really difficult when you have that freedom to just do whatever you want. And that's what scares these people. And that's the chaos that you're mentioning is they think people are just going to always go off the deep end, which does happen, but not always. Sometimes people find happiness right away. Sometimes they stick to the rules that they were raised with because it's too scary to venture away from them. There's a spectrum of things, but my point is there's always um, there's always a path that you can find that fits yourself, and it doesn't always have to be the scary path. You're in control of it. You're not just going to leave the church and then Satan's going to take you over and you just won't have any control over the decisions that you make. That's not true. And I think that's the picture that they always try to paint is, well, if no one's making your decisions, who will? Satan? <laughs> no. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> that's not how it works. That's not how it works. And I also love that we're doing this with the actual videos from these leaders so that no one can say we took it out of context or we made it up or whatever it is. The proof is there. All you have to do is be willing, just be willing to see it through a different lens And just for a second, consider the opposing side, the side that makes you uncomfortable and look at it with a little bit of critical thinking. And I don't mean that in a patronizing way. I just mean really look at it logically and see if you can find anything that just doesn't quite add up. And that's what we're trying to do here. Yeah, I would like to uh, recategorize 
going off the deep end. Uh, and it's not drugs, alcohol, sex, orgies. Going off the deep end now is uh, shaming and ostracizing like your queer children. If a Mormon family or like religious family, if you hear that like, yeah, sister and Bill and Cindy, they uh, don't let their uh, like 18 year old daughter bring her girlfriend over as instructed by the second in commander of the Mormon church, President Oaks, because he says that's a wise thing to do to not let gay people in your house. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the new going off the deep end to me. Yeah. You do not let your own kids <laughs> in your house because of the people that they choose to love. You need to go to rehab. You're fucked in the head. That's my tell them, Kara. That's, that's going off the deep end. <laughs> All right. Linda, listen time. Linda, listen time. Do you have one ready? Remind me how it goes again. So Linda, listen, and people ask this and I forget to explain. It's that little toddler viral, viral video that he's like, Linda, listen, Linda, he wants a honey. He's trying to get something. The mom is like arguing yeah. back. I think it's a fun little moment because oftentimes when you're in high demand groups and cults, you are infantilized and people don't listen to you and you don't get to use your voice. And while I don't agree that you should allow your toddler to talk to you this way, I think it's a fun way for us to take our voice back and say something to the people that have pissed us off and took away our cupcakes. So it just starts with a Linda listen and then you just say whatever you want to say. All right. I already did all my favorite rants today though. (laughs) Um, Gotta think of one. I got one. My Linda listen is to the leaders of the church. I don't normally do Linda listen, so this is kind of a fun moment for me. I would say, Linda, listen, if you've done something wrong and you've hurt a huge amount of people, even just one person, if you have made mistakes and you know in your heart that it's wrong, you need to own up to it, you need to apologize, and you need to follow the same stupid guidelines that you give to all of your church members. And guess what? You're not going to like it because it's not fun. Welcome to our shoes. <laughs> Grow up and say you're sorry. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Linda, listen. All right. Okay. The earth is not 7,000 years old. It didn't start in Jackson County, Missouri. All right. Them's the facts. With that being said, I know that there are people on earth who have different shades of skin color. It's all about where they, uh, their, their ancestors evolved in different places in the world. And if you got some idea in your head, that's like, oh, that came from how they acted before they were on this earth or like, that's an indication of their spirituality or worthiness before my God, Jehovah. I want you to really, I want you to double think that. I want you to really think like, what would be advantageous for like a frontier religion who needed to move the darker skin color people off of their land and take it? And what would be most in line with like, I don't know, maybe like Jesus Christ about like, Hey, let's like kind of be nice to everybody or like, what would be more in line with like what even BYU, the church's university, uh, what they have to say about those kinds of things? Cause they're in, they're in opposition. So a choice could possibly be before you, Linda, where you could go with, uh, what is most advantageous to people who, uh, have a really strict adherence to a really old book. It's got some good things in it, but. There's some issues there or the best that modern science 
has to offer that is peer reviewed and explains why you don't have to put your narratives on other people and their skin color being something that is satanic. Look it over. Think about it. Come back to me with a cupcake. Come back. I think you'll be much happier. Because we deserve it. Linda, listen. Be a little bit more logical. It's just, just got to spell it out, you guys. There's just some things in Mormonism uh, that people made up a story because it was advantageous to do so at one time. You know, we're talking 14-year-olds needing to be married by prophets, you know, 20 years older than them in positions of authority. And they didn't want to, but there's uh, angels with flaming stores. How do you think that, how do you, how, how do you think that, that God operates? Like what are his real, that's really what he does. Just maybe it's a story. Maybe it was an, a story that somebody made up because there was an advantage to telling that story. That's all I got to say. Just generally speaking. It's possible. There's a lot to consider. There's a lot to consider, and I hope that this episode has given everybody a lot to consider or has at least shed some light on some things, some problematic things that we have issues with. And don't get mad at us, guys. I'm sure there's going to be a few people in the comments who are active Mormon, and this is to say we are not attacking you directly. We think that you are doing the best that you can with the information that you have. And now that you have more information, you can make better choices. And uh, so don't get mad at the messengers. Check out these sources for yourself. Really just do the work and see if you want to be aligned with an organization like this. Uh, But we get it. We've both been there. We have both been in your shoes and uh, rejected the information that was before us. So we're hoping that through this uh, video... You can see behind the curtain a little bit more and make choices that will ultimately make you happier and bring you more peace for you and your family. I hope that for everyone. Well said. Well said. Thank you. And thanks for coming on, Kara, for our, I mean, it's kind of like our year anniversary. Um, it's kind of special. It is. <laughs> um, you guys all know that I was Shalisa's very first interview. Mm-hmm. So told my little life story and it was so fun. Yeah. And just look at how your channel has blossomed and grown. And I think I only met you once or twice, but Jaleese was just here in Utah and we got to hang out all day. It was so it was great. super fun. And you guys should really, you guys have a good egg here. With, <laughs> I know you like the content, but Jaleese as a person is also freaking dope Aww. and so grateful that you're my friend. Thanks. Me too. We really bonded in Utah. We had a good time telling all yeah. of our secrets it was um, it was great little therapy session. You know, sometimes when you just get it. I showed Shalisa secret secret before we even started too. <laughs> <laughs> you did, and I told her a secret. We were closer than you know. <laughs> anyway, this has been great. Everyone, go check out Nuance Ho on her YouTube. I'm going yeah, to you. link everything in the description below. I'll link her Patreon too, and um, my patrons. I have new patrons. Thank you so much. I have. Lorraine, Marianne, and Joseph, thank you for becoming patrons and thank you for your support. If you guys want to support as well, you can go to patreon.com slash consciousness. It would mean the world if you could do that. If not, it is so helpful if you just like, literally just hitting that like button is so helpful. Sharing this video with your friends, commenting below, even if it's just like a heart emoji to tell the algorithm, hey, we like this video, send it to more people. And if you like this video, Check out these videos below. You're definitely going to like those too. And until next time, follow your highest excitement, be conscious, and be well. Thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, it would mean a lot if you could like and subscribe on YouTube and leave a review or a comment to help with our visibility. 
You can also find me on social media at Colts to Consciousness or reach out by email at Colts to Consciousness at gmail.com.